0: We are glad to be welcoming in Mike Springston FFC Podcast and uh, Lift Him Higher Radio along with this Facebook post tonight. And uh, uh, we will have to tape uh, the morning's Facebook post to get it back out on podcast. I really appreciate Jane and Michelle uh, making sure that we had uh, Facebook this morning uh, very appreciated of the work you guys did in in uh, Jesse and Sheldon's absence. We're very appreciative of your doing that. So tonight we come uh, to finish or attempt to finish the message called When and Since from Acts chapter 19. Let's have a word of prayer and then we will go into that teaching. Father, We pray that you will minister to us, open our eyes, that we can see our ears, that we can hear and our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us, and then allow us to apply it to our life so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Father, let Jesus speak. Jesus, speak out of the Godhead. Holy Spirit, reveal it to us. We'll receive it, and then we will release it to your people will be instructed, guided, and directed, and shown things to come because of it, and we will forever thank you and witness to your goodness. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. We're going to go to Acts chapter 19, verse 5 and 6 tonight. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now this morning, we saw that the reason for the cross was the eradication of sin. In John chapter 3 and verse 17, Jesus Jesus makes a very clear statement to us. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now this word through is an interesting word placed in this verse. It means that there was the channel of an act or because of something. Because of something, the world through him might be saved. Because his death eradicated sin, the world through him might be saved. Because of the eradication and the destruction of sin. There's no question, my friend, that the love of God was and is at the heart of what God does because God is love. He loved me according to Paul's writing in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 and gave himself for me. But without the understanding that his death was for the express purpose of of the eradication of sin first and foremost so that he first could become Lord over all three worlds. We would struggle to identify with understanding and coming into how his acts as a perfect sacrifice opened the doorway for us to believe on him for eternal life. This was an act, my friend, of divine planning and divine love. We know this because God is love, and all of his acts are done through the lens of love. Now, of course, we have to understand what his love is. His love is holiness, and his love is righteousness. Through what Jesus did, we see that God's love and holiness and righteousness was extended to man through the act of the eradication of sin. Through what Jesus did, our belief system, our belief system will either make us Come under the love of God and be under the righteous and holy reciprocal love or it will make us unrighteous because we will either cleave to what the cross accomplished and the love that was given there or we will cleave to the very thing that the cross purposed to eliminate. We will cleave to sin and lived by that master. Hi, Lorraine, and hi, Linda. This morning, we looked into the wind of the operation of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we found out. That he reproved, convicted, and convinced us of the sin that was residing in us because of what had transpired in the fall and how that fall had affected our relationship to God. In reality, it had killed the inner life that was created in the image of God. We were being drawn now to God by the work of the Holy Spirit. Our sin, which was crucified and buried by the work of Jesus, was keeping us from knowing the freedom that would untangle us from the sin that had so bound us to deeds and acts that God viewed as being evil. When light was shed on sin and its consequences, we saw the judgment of sin and the judgment of death from the legal sacrifice of a perfect sacrifice who shed blood for the forgiveness of sin we saw that the covering of sin became righteousness, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. When this was introduced in our spirit by the Holy Spirit, we chose to identify, ask for forgiveness, and make Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this work is the work of the Holy Spirit in directing a person to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I want to say one more time, the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the conqueror and the one who had total conquest and left hell with total control and now was in control of heaven, hell, and earth made him Lord. Not until that conquest was completed would Jesus come back and say to the disciples in John 20, peace be unto you, breathe on them, and begin to teach them about remission and remittance and retaining sin. Only when sin had been conquered and brought under control. Only when every demon was made subject to his lordship. Every tongue could speak in a new language. Nothing inside you or outside you could hurt you, and everyone you laid hands on was healed. And the confirmer was seated in heavenly places as the man in the Godhead bodily from Mark 16. Well, his lordship brought the total destruction and control of hell. When that was accomplished, man could be put back in position to be reconnected to God in his inner man. Now keep in mind that this work was not possible prior to him being given the exalted name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, because he first had to have total conquest, total destruction, and total control of everything that hell was. Now let's go back to our text and see where we go from here. When they heard this, verse 5, they were baptized with the name of the Lord Jesus. The message was clear. They had to go beyond what they had recognized as the teaching of their conversion and move into a deeper understanding. Oh, that we would understand that today. They were baptized into the completed work of Jesus Christ. His Lordship. Which meant total conquest, destruction, and control of heaven, hell, and earth. They were saved through what he had done to become Lord. That's important understanding now because it puts the purpose of the cross in the correct perspective. Now we clearly identify the necessity to solve who has conquered sin, Satan, and who has destroyed those works to the extent of the control of hell being given under his lordship. Now, his voice, I want you to get this. This is dynamic. His voice can be heard as it is generated to all mankind through the love of God, through purity, holiness, and righteousness. Why? Because mercy and peace have met, and they have kissed. They have joined together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Man can now come to the shepherd and live the abundant life under the love of God. Now look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon him, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now we come to the original question. Paul said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now Paul has diagnosed their spiritual condition. Simply ask a question, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He shared the message of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit enlightened them to truth. And they're saved. To signify this work, they are baptized into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What a day that would be. Maybe the Bible says heaven rejoices, but Paul was not done. Paul, my friend, is a finisher. Paul saw the whole picture. Paul recognized the necessity and the requirements of the day. Paul recognized the commandments of his Lord. I'll show you that in a minute. He desires that they leave with the spiritual necessities to carry forward the call of Jesus Christ to be witnesses unto him. Now, we often look at that and we consider that to be a soul winner. Here's my question. Pay attention here. Did Paul stop any instruction or any teaching when he got them saved and baptized in the name of the Lord? No, sir, he did not. Why? Because unlike our Western belief system, he knew that there was something more Not only that he had encountered, but that God, Jesus Christ, had taught him out of the Godhead through the Holy Spirit. Now they could be saved and live life with potential. Potential. Two kinds of potential. Number one, they could live life with the potential of struggles. Not understanding how to grow and how to develop their spirit and their soul to overcome their flesh. Or, Paul could lead them into the depths of truth of the Holy Spirit, and they could live under the potential of presence and power that came from the very throne of God, the man and the Godhead bodily, of which Paul taught us, Colossians chapter 2, that we are completed him. So Paul was at a crossroads with these people. I can leave them saved in the name of the Lord. Or I can take them and and leave them with potential. That potential is that they will struggle because they don't have the ability to access the answers or to hear the answers. Or I can take them to a deeper potential that would possess the very ability to communicate and be communicated to from the throne room of God. They could live life not understanding the presence nor the power of God that was within them. But Paul said, Now unto him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think by the power of God that works in us. So Paul knew that he wasn't going to stop. They could live their life under the potential of never hearing the voice of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, my friend, in the Western Christian world, many, if not most, of our people live their lives never hearing the voice of Jesus Christ for themselves. But Paul knew that for them to be witnesses unto him, they had to receive the work, another work, Notice this now. They had received the message and the work of salvation. They had been saved and baptized in the name of the Lord. They had come to follow Christ. Paul knew there was more to it than that. There had to be a step. As I looked at this today, I found out why, and I'm going to tell you in just a minute. From this spiritual position, not only could they hear the voice of the shepherd, but they could truly live the abundant life. From here, they could have complete access into the throne room of God. From here, they could be led by the voice of the revelation into the things that I have not seen or heard, neither it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, I want you to get to my podcast on What Is Love and follow along with that on Mike Springsteen FFC because I'm going to train you on something there that you will need to know. But through the Spirit, all of these things could be revealed to Him. The gifts of the Spirit would give them the solution to problems, the word of wisdom. He would show them where the problem was, the word of knowledge. He would give insight into how to deal with people in spirits, discernment of spirits. He would provide the supernatural for them in areas where their faith needed to be strengthened in special ways, when miracles needed to come and healings needed to come. He would speak directly. He would prophesy, and he would explain, using the Holy Spirit as the means to minister so that those operating in the Holy Spirit could continue to do and to teach exactly what Jesus began to do and to teach. Why? Because they could hear from him. Notice these interactions are different than the drawing and reproving and enlightening activities of the Holy Spirit that occurred when you heard the message and got saved. Paul knew that. If these 12 men or 12 people I'm assuming they're men were to thrive in a city, now this is where I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. Paul knew that if these men in Ephesus were to thrive in a city that was filled with idols and idol worship, they must have all, every bit of what God planned for them to have in the spiritual world to do so. Now I want to say that one more time. Now I want you to hear it because we are going to compare and contrast our world to the world in which they were going into. If these twelve were to thrive in a city that was filled with idols and idol worship, they must have all that God had planned for them to have in order to prosper, And succeed. Now let's contrast that with our world. We have placed very little emphasis on the third action that Paul is leading these 12 men to. We have placed great emphasis on getting people saved, and we've left them with the two potentials the potential to struggle, the potential to not understand, the potential to not grow the potential to have the sin nature be the thing that leaves them in the cross. And then the potential that was laying there for the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where they might have the power to produce the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So what's happened in our day? We have focused on getting people saved and left them with their potential. Our world is in chaos because of it. We live in the day where idolatry is in operation at a ridiculous rate. This transcends down to making men their own gods. I can be who I want to be. I can say what I want to say. I can act. I can encompass or uh, c- c- crowd myself with those that are of like mind. I can disdain those that are not of like mind. I'm my own God. I'm my own person. Huh. Don't judge me. Unfortunately, I heard that from the pulpit a number of times in a recent meeting. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> my friend, you become your own God. God whenever you are above the judgment of God. You become your own God when you're willing to say, I'm going to do it my way. Whether you like it or not, whether it affects you or not, whether you think it's good or not, whether it's harmful to those around me or not, I'm going to do it my way. Idolatry. Paul looked at these men and said, you're going into Eph- Ephesus. Ephesus. You're going to need all of the power and presence of God. You're going to not only need to be saved. You're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to need to have the evidence of speaking in tongues. You're going to need to have prophecy. But the Western world has said, let's get them saved. Saved will be enough. That'll be enough. We won't have any problems, and our world has fallen into idolatry, and the church has grown silent. Church membership has fallen at every angle. Why? Because the message we preach no longer is able to stand up against the God of self, the God of self-satisfaction, the God of lust, the God of my own pride. No, I'll, I'll be my own idol. I'll have my own idols. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? goes down to how we disfigure and disregard our bodies and our lives. We rejoice nowadays in being like, acting like, and looking like the world. I watch people running around with carvings in their body. Idolatrous, idolatrous. I heard one man say, yeah, but mine are all religious symbols. Yeah, they're idolatrous. (laughs) We've convinced ourselves that regardless of what Scripture says, we're going to do it anyway. My friend, we're steeped in idolatry. Paul knew that. Paul knew that about Ephesus. If you go down in uh, Acts chapter 19, they're going to run into a man who is going to challenge Paul over the God, the idol God of Diana, and they're going to bring them into question and they're going to try to shut the whole thing down because you know our idolatry has made us who we are. We're steeped in idolatry and it carries into all of how we view life in general. We made an assessment concerning what, now watch what I'm about to say, would be enough biblical assimilation. Let's just get them saved. Let's just tell them about, let's tell them our story. Let's, let's, fear them or or, or, or scare them into saying these words of salvation by, by telling them that they're going to hell, they're going to hell, they're going to hell. And so people have gotten saved not knowing even what saved was. They've said words that we appreciated and we believed in and we jumped up and down and said heaven is rejoicing. All the while, no preparation, no prospects of living for God, of knowing the love of God that is righteousness and holiness. So what have we done? We have put ourselves in position where we have ill-prepared the church because Paul knew something and tried to tell us in Acts 19. We can't stop at soul winning. If we should have, Paul would have never gone to verse 6. Paul would have never gone there. Paul would have never said to them, Now, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to have this work for you to be a witness to Jesus Christ in the world in which you're going into. And that's what we're seeing today. A failure on the part of Christianity because we are ill-prepared. We are like the farmer who gets in his house at night and we pray, God bless me and my wife, my son and his wife, us four no more. We go into our sanctuaries on Sunday morning, however full or unfull they are. We pray for God's grace and mercy over those in our house. Why? Because those outside our house are living adulterous lives where they are their own God, doing their own thing, making up their own rules, having their own way. Well, they got broke. There we go, my friend. How did this happen? How could this happen? Because we didn't listen to the word of God. We didn't hear what Paul was teaching. We didn't see it as the necessity of truth. As a matter of fact, we taught against it. We've said that those that were filled with the Holy Ghost were of the devil when the man that wrote the book. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by the man that is teaching this very fact to these 12 men from Ephesus. How could it be There are none so blind as those who refuse to see. So we made the assessment of what was enough biblical assimilation. So what we have done is we have tried to go into Ephesus, my friend, half cocked, half loaded, half a message. That's what we've done. Considering this, we can now see why Paul, move these men through to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Our world reflects the absence of the important step, this single important step in the lives of believers. Someone said to me, Pastor, are you telling me that those who have the baptism of the Holy Ghost are perfect? I am no such. There is a life of reciprocal love where one must be reciprocal in giving, returning to God his love and holiness and righteousness. Those that are unwilling to do that leave themselves in a potential because the enemy is going to attack. There's no doubt about that. Our world, however, reflects the absence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the lives of believers. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are vulnerable to being deceived, and being deceived very easily. What will we do to be deceived, pastor? We'll find half-truths, and we'll say, yes, there's truth in that. I'll agree with that. I'll go along with that, and at that point, they got you. We desire an easy message, we would rather have an easy message that says everybody's going to heaven, God loves everybody, don't worry about it. You can go live like you want to live and everybody's going to be in heaven. And Or we want an easy message that says, well, if you get saved and then you're go, you you're out living like the devil, you never got saved at all, so you become the judge and jury. We want an easy message. We don't want anything that requires us to return holiness and righteousness. We seek convenience, convenience, easy living over holiness and righteousness. As a matter of fact, for the most part, we've devised the message that doesn't even really resemble the message of the eradication of sin and the resulting force of the impact of God's love upon mankind. my time is up for tonight if I had time I would go on and talk to you about the commands of Jesus Christ and how he commanded you and me to be saved and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit that is a command that came directly from him but yet we have chosen what biblical assimilation we are willing to accept while idolatry runs rampant in our land. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I would that since we have believed, we would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that it would guide us and direct us into the depths of truth so that we can be witnesses unto you and so that we can be prepared to give an answer and a defense in an idolatrous world concerning what God has done to set, make the captive free. Father, I thank you for that. Open our eyes that we can see. Our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand. What the love of God has provided. What our potential is. And how that potential must be produced from understanding knowledge, wisdom and revelation so that we can know you and so that we can be reciprocal in our love with righteousness and holiness. In the name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Hello to all of those of you that have come online with me tonight. I see Tara and Janie and Lorraine and Linda and all of my friends, many of my friends. Many of you have not signed in, but listen, and we appreciate that. As we go out tonight, we want to remind those of you that are listening to us on podcast that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, and Family Fellowship Chapels Messaging. Today, we were messaged from Haiti, and in the past week, we have been in touch with people from uh, Nigeria through our our, uh, messaging product there with family fellowship chapel and we're glad to have you coming on board may god bless you as you study the word of god with us jesus christ is lord have a great week he has defeated all hell stands victorious over death hell and the grave eradicated sin on our behalf and god has expressed his love to us have a great week god bless you Wednesday night, we'll be having Bible study at 645. God bless you is my prayer until we speak again.